Everybody ready for some word today? Hope you come hungry to eat some good word from God. Let's go to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34, also Psalm 145. 34 and 145. Today, I want to continue a series that we've been in for the last couple of months now. In fact, I actually want to wrap things up and, uh, and share with you some, some very important principles and truths today before we move on to the next thing that the Lord has put on my heart to share with you uh, beginning next week. Psalm 34 and verse 8 reads, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Has the Lord been good to you? Whether you acknowledge it or not, I'm telling you, He has been good to you. He has been good and will continue to be good to you. Now, Psalm 145, 145, 8 and 9, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. All right, everybody ready for this today? All right, we want to get into this. This message is called The Goodness of God in a Very Bad World. And I'm continuing to clear the air, I guess, defend God's reputation, uh, help us to understand Him very, very clearly, what things He is involved with in our lives and what things He is not involved with. And so much of what God gets blamed for in life, He just really had nothing to do with it. He was not, he was not involved with that. And the absence of being able to discern and distinguish between what is of God and what is not of God will affect our relationship with Him. It will affect our testimony of Him. It will affect how many people in the world who, who think a lot of Christians are crazy for saying God is good and all-powerful and yet the world is in chaos. If these things are really not that hard to understand, as many of us have come to see more and more. They're not that difficult to understand, but we must see things in the light and not be confused. Now, we've been talking about the different reasons why junk happens in the world as a whole, and then up close and personal in our lives, why stuff happens even to the believer, and then, of course, how we can overcome and walk free and walk in victory and experience, not only, not only have this positional belief, but experience the goodness of God in our lives every day. And so we've covered a lot of, a lot of ground there, but I want to wrap things up, if you will, by dealing with one question that may have uh, lurked in your minds. If you've studied Scripture at all, you know that there's a lot of stories that, if not properly understood, could contradict some of what we're saying about God's goodness. All right, everybody with me? How many know there was a flood? <laughs> the ground has opened up before and swallowed people up. There have been, you know, Israel at times in the past was turned over to other nations to, to take them into captivity. And there, have been, there has been disease. What about the ten plagues? What about all these things that basically speak of, of God's judgment? Okay? I want to deal with that issue today and talk about the judgment of God, how that relates to our lives, and, and, and does that, you know, throw a, 
a hitch in any of these things that we've been discussing over the last couple of months. Again, let me say this, if you're new with us, and, you, and I keep mentioning the last couple of months, uh, this will be good all by itself today, it'll, it'll be helpful, but all those things are available on the website, and you can listen to them for free and get caught up. This is a big, big confusing subject for many, many believers. Many Christians cannot explain the, the events of our day and the things that are happening in our lives and the, the things around us, but it's really not difficult, all right? Genesis 18, the Bible says here and, and uses this phrase about God that He is the, the judge of all the earth. God is called the judge of all the earth. Now, God is a judge. He's just. He's right. He would never unjustly do anything towards anyone. I think we should recognize that there are laws that govern the kingdom of God very similar to the laws that would govern a nation. Okay, Similar to our court system and, and the justice system with judges and lawyers, we see a lot of that language in the Bible. Jesus is even called our advocate. Right? He, he is our our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And the Father, like we said here, He is the judge. And so there are laws that govern things, and, and there, are, there are reasons why things happen, uh, just similar to a nat- the natural world. But understand this, the, the true nature of God, who He is, is love. He is, he is love. He, his heart, His desire is always to show mercy to show kindness, to bring favor into people's lives. He is not out to destroy anyone. If ever we're confused about the will, the character and nature of God, look at things before man showed up with free choice and made some wrong decisions. Look at things after everything is wrapped up, the devil is, is in the lake of fire, and God is once again, you know, ruling and reigning over everything where and there's no unrighteousness. You see absolute goodness, perfection, pleasure, favor, only good things happen. It's in that middle period where we see a lot of confusion, a lot of things happen that really they're, they never were a part of God's plan. They're not a part of God's plan or will for your life today. But we, have, we must be able to answer the reality, reality of, okay, I don't disagree with that, but here's my experience. I don't disagree with that, but I read the headlines today, and this just happened. And how do we explain that if God is so good and so forth? Again, talking about the judgment of God now. That might sound like a real horrible thing. I studied it a good bit, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to have to just be more concise here. This could turn into a series, and uh, I don't really think people are going to come to a series on judgment. (laughs) <laughs> and if they really are hungry for that, they need counsel. Um, but the reality is judgment isn't always a negative thing. You can be judged right and judged correctly and, and, and shown mercy and so forth. But many times we view it only in the negative light and we want to deal with that, that, that light. If, if we are ever going to understand God and the Scripture from beginning to end, we cannot take it as if this is just one, you know, like an author would write a book and this is the book. The Bible is not written that way. God has always dealt with mankind um, in dispensations or time periods. 
He doesn't deal with us, hasn't dealt with man always the same way. And that is for a reason. Let me just, let me give you an example of some of the dispensations that are mentioned and spoken of in the Bible. First of all, there's the age of innocence. This is before the fall of man. But then you come into the age of conscience, where every man did what was right in his own sight, in his own eyes. There, there was, there's different time periods, and then human government came in. Then there was the, the age of promise or patriarchal rule. Okay, I'm not going to define and explain all these different things today, but I will get into some. Because after that came the period of time called the Mosaic Law. Sometimes we just, in short, for short, we call it the law. We say, we're not under the law. We know that was the law of Moses. It wasn't the, God didn't give the law of Moses in, 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 in January or, or, or in Genesis. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't give a law when he made creation. That wasn't his best. That wasn't his plan. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to create his creation and then give them a set of rules to live by. Not, not just 10 or not the 600 plus that actually came there. But there was a period of time called the law. Then after that, there came another age or dispensation. And that's where we are. This is called the church age or the age of grace. It's nice. But that's our dispensation. Then after that, there's another one coming called the millennium. It means a thousand. It's the millennial reign of Christ. And, and, and things will be different during that time that we can't really fully comprehend yet. We have scripture about it to some degree. But people will actually be born during that millennial reign of Christ, the devil bound for a thousand years. And the way that God relates to people will be different during that time than it is now. But we live in a real good time. But what we must distinguish is the difference between how God deals with mankind under grace and how he dealt with him under law, and even under the time period before the law, which was more grace, but it was not as good as we have it now. Okay? And, and so we have all these different periods where God dealt with people different ways. But it's interesting to see, and here's how I can kind of show you this, how, how you can't just, you know, pick a book out of the Bible, pick a chapter, pick a verse, read it, and apply it to your life without knowing the context, without knowing the, the time in which it was written. Okay? If we go all the way back, you remember the first two brothers kind of had some issues? Have your kids ever fought and had, had a fight before? Uh, well, you know, Cain killed Abel. Cain killed Abel. What would you think should be done to Cain for killing his brother? Well, if you fast forward a little bit, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, kill him. In fact, later on, that was, that, was in, that was part of the law, capital punishment. Someone, you kill someone, you die. In fact, you do a bunch of stuff, you die. <laughs> a death penalty was, was very, very popular uh, under a different dispensation. But watch when, when Cain killed Abel, do you know God actually protected him? Do you know God put a, he put a mark on him and, and, and said, you guys are not allowed to touch him. God was interested in showing mercy. That's amazing. Someone did something so horrible. Yet God, because of his character and nature, wanted to show mercy and love and kindness to Cain. I mean, what a jerk. I mean, how many know most of us wouldn't have done that? <laughs> we said, lock him up. But you go on later and, you know, you can read about Jacob. Remember, Jacob eventually, he, he took the name, uh, he became Israel. Prince of Israel, and the nation is named after Jacob today. But Jacob, how many know he got married to uh, Rachel and Leah? Of course, he was tricked into the first one, but that's a whole other story. 
But he was married to Rachel and Leah. How many know that's an abomination before God? If you fast forward and go up under the period of the law, he should have been put to death for that. Huh? It was against the law for someone to marry two sisters. There were so many situations like that where we see that people did things later on. They would be harshly judged for them. But then, it's like God blessed them anyway. They did the wrong thing and God protected them. He blessed them. I mean, Jacob kept being blessed more and more and more. Yet he did things that later on people were held in account for and they were dealt very harshly with. What's the difference here? Why, why is God different? It has to do with legalities. It has to do with the law. People were dealt with differently at different times. You see, Cain protected, but yet when the law was given, remember Moses went on Mount Sinai, got the Ten Commandments and so forth, and laws came. Uh, but the law was given. One of them was about the Sabbath day. And the first guy to break the Sabbath day got put to death. You telling me you do a little work on the wrong day and you die, but you kill your brother, you get protected? What's happening here? Okay, what, what's the, it's a different time, different age that people lived in. God dealt with people a different way. And if we're going to understand judgment, we have to understand it in, in light of these things. God has always been desirous to show mercy, to show kindness. Even under the law, He gave them a sacrificial system. To where when they did wrong, they could offer a sacrifice and stay the judgment and avoid the penalty of their sins. Their sins were covered. And and so there was this great sacrificial system because God truly wanted to bless them. And the law was you have to obey everything. You have to do everything right and you'll get blessed. And if you don't, you're cursed, man. That's when you thank God for sacrifices, you know. And, and, and we know that, that Jesus eventually replaced those on our behalf. But the law was brought in, again, during a certain period of time. Many times people talk about God today. They try to explain how He is and what He does, what He doesn't do. But they do so only with the mindset of one segment of history. Because it encompasses a large portion of our Bible under the law and all the prophets and so forth. They were all under that period. But it was just one segment where God dealt with man that way. Everybody with me now? Okay. Why was it given? Well, we know the ultimate purpose of the law was to show man that he could not save himself. Show man that he was futile in his efforts and that we were altogether sinful. We fell short of the glory of God and that we need a Savior. So we would look to God's grace and mercy and look to Jesus to redeem us and not try to uh, save ourselves by living up to a certain standard because 100% of the people failed. All right. So the law was given to that end to be a schoolmaster unto Christ. But also, you know, it was given to, to some degree control sin in society. You know, because people, they did live by fear of repercussion, but it would curb some behavior just like it curbs curbs your behavior sometimes on the freeway, right? Fear of ticket. Uh, 
but 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 laws are given and they they will curb a person's behavior to a degree and God did that so the world would not go into total chaos and evil like it did back during the days of Noah where there was no one righteous left or when the days of Sodom and Gomorrah where there was only one righteous guy in the whole city and everyone had gone, had had become evil, and so the Lord was doing this to to help in di- in different ways. But it never was His will. wasn't His It wasn't His best. It wasn't what He wanted us to live under. Okay. But what we can't do is take that segment of history, that period, that dispensation of the law, and say this is what defines God. No, that's an incomplete picture. That's not complete. If anything, if I want to define God by one specific way, I need to look at the life and ministry of Jesus. And I need to see how He dealt with people who were in sin, people who were sick, people who were in despair, people who were in trouble. That is the character and nature of God. It is Jesus. Okay? Now, uh, why don't you look with me over at Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews, the 8th chapter. Now, what we know is that we live in a different time, a different dispensation, and it's nice. I tell you what, it's almost, we have it so good if we only knew. And I'm telling you, I, I, I personally think I don't know it fully, and I think the vast majority of believers are clueless. I'm sad to, sorry to say that. Vast majority of believers are clueless as to the way that God relates to them. They think that they're like Job. They think they're like King David. They think they're like Isaiah. And they look at all these and say, yeah, that's the way, that's what God's doing. No, it's not. Because He relates to us different. He relates to us how? Through Jesus. You see, God's judgment and the, the wrath of God and what is justly due to mankind has already been satisfied now because Jesus was judged on the cross. Because He bore the brunt and punishment that all of mankind deserves and we reap the benefits of that. But if we don't know it, we'll continue to live as if God's upset with us, He's angry with us, that anything bad happens, God is judging me, God is, God is punishing me, and it simply is not the case. Okay? In, in this new covenant, of course, we know Jesus bore God's wrath and was judged in our place. Hebrews 8 and verse 12 says about this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will hold against them. Huh? And their sins and their righteous deeds I will remind them of daily so that they will know that they're, you're, they're rascals. And, and, and so they'll start acting better. Right? How many know a lot of people think that way about God? He's mad at me because He knows all the things that I've done. Not according to His Word. According to His Word, He will remember them no more. This is a powerful thing. In our day, under this covenant, in this dispensation, God doesn't hold our sins against us. This is amazing. He doesn't hold the things that we've done wrong against us, but He is merciful to our unrighteousness, not 
bringing judgment against our unrighteousness. This is a powerful thing. Now, now I realize that some are, you know, you, you hear this kind of thing, and I'm just kind of giving you the brief version here. They hear this, they think, wow, that's just going to empower people to sin. That's going to empower people to do wrong. Actually, it has the reverse effect. That, that, that generally speaking, you see people will rise up to a, a life of righteousness and holiness when they realize God has already forgiven them. As opposed to when they're condemned and feel guilty and feel bad and, and feel like all these things, they're more likely to stay in a pattern of destructive behavior. Everybody with me? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. You see, when the Bible says that we have been justified, some of you might remember it this way, justified means just as if I'd never sinned, right? I'm justified. Now, how many know that's another legal term? It's language that says, God. see, God wanted to and wants to bless all people of all time, wants to be good to us and show us His goodness all the time, and He's looking for a way to do that. He's looking for an excuse. The law, in one sense, was a hindrance to that because He's just, because people had to be held to a standard that they were living by and that, that, that they were under. But God wanted to bless them. He said, do this sacrifice and I'll take care of you here. Follow me. Don't serve other gods and I'll bless you. And now when Jesus came, he's got a legal right to pour out his blessing and favor on everyone. Now, again, people can still reject that, but God has been given a legal right to look over your sin, to say, not an issue. Already taken care of. It's kind of like the law of double jeopardy in our society, right? The same one crime cannot be tried twice. Once it's tr- tried, once it's dealt with, it's dealt with. And that's, that's the case with Jesus. He either took our sin, he either bore our punishment, he either was judged on our behalf, or he wasn't. And if he was, I can't be. Hmm? If he already took that punishment, I can't be punished for my own sin. Now, don't get me wrong. Sin is a dangerous thing. It has repercussions built into it. You know what I mean? When someone does the wrong thing, they're not going to be blessed as a result of doing the wrong thing. Many times, you know, there are consequences built into sin and people suffer as a result of their sin. But to say that I sinned and now God has beaten me over the head for it, not the case. That's just not the way things work. Even under the law, he was looking for a reason to not do it. He was looking for a reason to avoid judging someone and showing them mercy. But now he's got the legal right. You know, it's like when people compare themselves, like I mentioned earlier, to, to someone like Job. They read the book of Job and say, I must be like poor old Job. Uh, one, Job wasn't poor, but, uh, but they, like, that's not a comparison. Job did not have an advocate with the Father. He did not have the name of Jesus to resist the devil when he attacked. It's a situation that's entirely different from the day in which we live, and so let's not compare ourselves to it. Let's learn some things from it and have an understanding of dispensations and so forth, but now we are free in Him. Now we have the name of Jesus, and we always win. Yeah. Romans chapter 5, did we read that? 
verse 9, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from, the, from wrath through Him. Why are we saved from wrath? Because we've been justified. Why are we justified? Because we are so stinking holy and we do everything right and we walk in perfect love, right? Absolutely not. Jesus, though, he did that on our behalf. He lived perfectly, perfect. He was holy. He was right, upright before God, righteous in all his ways. And then he took our sin and he bore that punishment in his own body. You know, some of the differences that we can see in the way that God dealt with people, uh, it's like this. Similar situation. Remember, there was a time in the life of Elijah. I think it's 2 Kings 1. Elijah, prophet of God. uh, King was trying to get him, sending groups of 50 after him. They'd show up. He'd call down fire from heaven. They'd all get toasted. Another group of 50 call down fire from heaven. They'd all get burned up. And see, people read, they just read stories like that and they say, yeah, watch out, God's going to get you. But, but watch here. Jesus was with his disciples one day and some people were not receiving their ministry and so forth. And they went to Jesus and said, Lord, what, what do you say? What do you say we call down fire from heaven on these guys? We just toast them. Now, they had scripture for that. They were word people. They quoted chapter and verse. We can just toast them here, Lord. And Jesus said, remember what he said? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll get some respect here. From this point forward, people are going to know. No. Do you know what Jesus did? He rebuked them for it. I mean, this is powerful. He rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to save people. What's the difference? What's the difference? One of them is not the true nature and character of God. He didn't want it to be that way. But it was, it was a result of the law being enforced and being just. But he doesn't want to do that. That's why Jesus came. So it wouldn't have to be that way. Yeah, I don't mean sin is like a light issue and it's not important and it's not damaging. It's big time important. It put the Son of God on the cross. It's a major deal. But thank God he did go. And he did defeat death. He did wash away our sins. He was raised from the dead. And now God is able to legally deal with us in mercy, in kindness. In, and, and listen, our text for this series came out of the Old Covenant. If he was merciful and good to all and gracious and kind then, oh, how much more can we shout the victory today and say we know God is kind and favorable toward us. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, go to Luke chapter 13. Uh, What about some of the different events, okay? First of all, I want you to see that even in judgment, when you go back under the uh, Old Covenant and even prior to the law, and when we get to the end and you read Revelation and you see how... At, one point, at some point in our future, probably not too far, things are going to be called to account and everything's going to be settled. All right. When you see these events, what we constantly see is God separating the righteous from the unrighteous. It wasn't that destruction fell and everyone, the good, the bad, the, you know, everyone was just kind of in the same boat. No, 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 no. Look at Noah. I mean, the world had gone to 
hell in a handbasket and the whole world was evil, God was showing mercy on future generations, on the family of Noah and everyone else to stop this evil that was going on. And, uh, and so Noah, what was he done? He was separated in his family. When you look at Sodom and Gomorrah and the judgment that fell there, there was only one righteous guy there, but God got him out. And then the judgment fell. You see in the situations where if you read about the guy uh, named Korah, God said, get away from them. Get away from him and his group. And then the judgment fell on those. It's not it just hit everybody. Jesus taught about the, the wheat and the tares. How in the last day, that the harvest, God would take the righteous out. He would pull us out before judgment came. It's one reason for why many believers believe in a, uh, many Christians believe in a, a pre-trib rapture. Because of that principle of God bringing us out and then judgment falls. But for someone to then look at modern day calamities, and we take the recent hurricanes in, uh, in, on the East Coast, or we look at uh, what happened in New Orleans a number of years ago, or we look at the terrorist attacks of 9-11 and Fort Hood and some of these, uh, some of these other deals that have gone on in the earth today. One, you can see that's not God's judgment. Many people cry out, yeah, God's judging America for her, her sins, and we're so unrighteous, and God's judging. Well, you know, even back before Jesus, he would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah for ten people. There's millions of Christians here. Just a thought. But the other thought, were there any Christians in New Orleans? Were there any Christians on the East Coast? Were there any Christians in the World Trade Center? Were there any believers in these areas? And we already talked about how God will lead us out of those situations if we'll follow Him. But were there any? I'm saying yes. And that's not consistent with what we see in Scripture as true judgment from God. Everybody with me now? Okay, that, that, that's, not, that's not the way, way things work. God separates. And so a lot of these modern-day disasters and tragedies, we've already discussed why they happen, but I can say it again. It's not the judgment of God. That's not, that's not what's going on here. Think about it. I'm praying for, wanting to save my friends, wanting to share the gospel with them that they might believe and be saved. And I'm asking God, show them mercy, show them kindness, reveal yourself to Him. But at the same time, God's trying to kill them because of their sin. I mean, isn't that the picture of, of what we're often given of God? That He is punishing people for their sins. We're trying to save them. We're trying to help them get them to turn. But God's trying to take them out. And we're praying to try to get God to love them as much as we do. <laughs> if that doesn't sound messed up, I don't know what does. Let's not think for a moment that we are trying to uh, help people. And God's trying to hurt him. No, no, no. It's the Lord Jesus who gave his life. Gave his life for their life, for our lives. Luke chapter 13. Let's get some commentary from Jesus on a couple situations in his day. Luke 13 verse 1. There were present at that season some who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose... now?" Let me stop for just a moment. Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifices. Okay, that's kind of gross, but that's not nice, right? He killed them, all right? And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans? Why would Jesus ask that question? Because that was the supposition. 
Many people thought something bad happens to you. You're born a certain way or some calamity strikes you. People think that today. There's something wrong with you. You're something you've done wrong. You've done something especially bad to bring this upon you. That's why it happened. But Jesus said, uh, he said, because they, they suffered such things. Verse 3, I tell you, no. No. You're saying they weren't any worse than everybody else? No. But unless you repent, you will, you will all likewise perish. That's interesting. He said, it's not about what they just, they, the actions that they took. You're all sinners. Everybody needs to repent. You're in a dangerous world. Things are going to happen. But it didn't just happen to them because of something special. The same thing could happen to you. In fact, everyone's going to perish unless they repent. Verse 4, or those, those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. See, this is a perspective that he is clearing up for people in their day and, and, and for us today. Just when something bad happened to someone, that doesn't mean they were, they were you know, a worse sinner than, uh, than someone else. That they had done things in particular to, to bring that along. But everyone needs to turn and change and get right with God. And so again, I really believe that God is not killing off people we're trying to share Jesus with. He's, we don't have accounts in the New Testament that God is judging nations today. But we, we, we see that God deals with people on an individual basis, but He's not killing off the people He sent you to, into all the world to preach the gospel to. His desire has always been and is today that people would change, that people would repent, that they would turn, and so His favor and blessing could flow to them unhindered. Jesus talked in the, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, He gave that revelation to John. And, and He said some things there. He was talking about a woman uh, named Jezebel, whether that might have been figurative because of, you know, Ahab's vicious wife. <laughs> Uh, we called her Jezebel. She was a false prophetess. And, uh, and she was teaching wrong things. And, and, and what it says about there, though, that even concerning her, he gave her space or time to repent. I mean, someone's doing damage. Someone's hurting other people. They are influencing God's children, the body of Christ, in a wrong and negative way. And God still has given her space to repent. But she wouldn't. I tell you what, this is the, the picture of a merciful and kind and loving God. He wants to be good to you and every one of us every single time. And he's looking for a way to do it. And thank God because of Jesus, he's got a way. He absolutely has a way. And if we receive and we acknowledge what He's done for us and thank Him for it, He's got an entrance into our lives for, for goodness and kindness to be shown to us. We, in this day, in, our, in the new covenant, I know that God still deals with us as children, meaning, you know, Hebrews says that there is a thing called the chastening of the Lord. But that's basically training. If you look up the word child training, he isn't chasing you with a disease. He's not going to get you in a car accident. God's just chastening me. No, 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 no. As a father, he is training us. He is loving us. With his word, he shows us his ways. 
All right? But uh, even concerning all these things, when it comes to judgment, actually, you read the New Testament, you can read 1 Corinthians 5 and different places. Judgment is turned over to the church concerning believers in our day. That we're supposed to handle that. We're supposed to deal with people. God takes care of people on the outside. But if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, gee, you've already been judged in Jesus. In Christ, in His body. And God's general disposition towards the whole world today is not one of anger and wrath, but it is one of mercy and a calling forth that people can be saved. And so He wants to be good to us in every single area of life. He's even good to the rebellious sinner, giving him time and space to repent and receive His goodness. It is not His will that any should perish. Amen. Say it out loud with me. Father God, I believe that you are good to me. Every day, in every way, you are looking for a way to show kindness to me. I receive. I believe in Jesus. He was my substitute. I receive your goodness. Amen. Amen. Stand up on your feet with me today.